Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace. Hey, we're studying the book of Mark together. It's a biography of Jesus the Christ, and we're trying to learn from him and learn who he is. Uh, we'll start today. If, if any, anybody's seen this movie or a version of that movie, that's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think there's uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory that preceded that. There's a great book called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Some of you read that. Um, it's, it's a book about an obvious life lesson. I mean, it, I mean, it just all the time, it's blasting at you. It has these for, it's a lesson for children and for parents. They have super obnoxious children with appropriately obnoxious parents. I mean, they just go together, don't they? Maybe they produce uh, each other. We'll see. But the lesson is pretty clear, right? If you don't tend to the condition of your soul, you will suffer death by irony, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, they just, they just put out their so cause effect, right? So the super proud kid gets humiliated. The super competitive kid uh, loses, you know, everything. The spoiled brat is all but devoured by the thing that she will never hear no to, the little squirrels, right? Um, the sensuous kid drowns in sensuality. And so, I mean, it's, right, it's pretty apparent. It should be pretty obvious to everyone. And here's the thing about the book or the movie. I, I don't know about you, but I have never, ever heard anyone watch or read this story and go, oh, my goodness. You know, everybody was laughing, but I, I realized that was me they were, they were laughing at. I'm that person. I mean, they're the, some of those are the deadly sins. It's like, oh, that, that's me, just kind of magnified. I watched that movie. I came home, and I changed because I saw the fate of death by irony. Never heard that happen. I'll bet people have said this, though. You know, I saw that movie. I got a copy of that DVD. I gave it to my brother. He needed that. He did. He was just, he's just like that one guy. Yeah, you're welcome, brother. I'm looking out for you. Um, I, people just start, I don't think it ever hit people where they needed the self-awareness thing. I'll, I'll bet you could interview one of the kids, any one of the people that the book was written about, and they would still miss it. They're just like, hey, you look just like that, that fat kid that, like, that never said no to anything sweet. I've been told that. I do look like him. But aren't you from Dusseldorf? I'm from Dusseldorf. Yes, I am. You know, as a matter of fact, they filmed the second movie just right outside my door. It was kind of weird. But, I mean, this is strange, though. But isn't your name Augustus Goop? It is. I know. It's hard to believe, right? Hey, are you done with that donut? Because I'd like to have the rest of that. Just right over the head. Wouldn't get it. Um, That People just, they don't learn. They don't change. Uh, You look at, if you look at Jesus... And uh, his teaching skills, he, I, would, I would say he's the best teacher ever. But if you look at his win-loss record, uh, it's not very impressive. If you look at how many people he spoke to for how long, for, right, for duration of time, and then you looked at how many people actually made it to the end, believing and understanding, not real good. Now, what's interesting is I don't, I'm not sure he was disappointed because I don't think his expectations were unrealistic. I think... He understood how difficult it is for people to want to change their lives. And so he just went into it with that in mind. But he kept saying over again, let him who have ears, let him hear. See, he kept saying that because he's saying, you know what, Moses, uh, a lot of people aren't going to get this. Jesus knew that there's a huge difference between taking notes 
and having your life changed. He saw a lot of people taking notes, but he knew there's a big difference. So why is it that some people grow and some people don't? I mean, how can some people come to a church that teaches the Bible year after year and really have no, I guess, fruit to show for that, right? Greedy, vanity, and racist, and right, envious, prejudice, those sort I mean, it's still, still very much part of their life. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 4, and, we're, and Jesus is going to answer that question, why don't people change? Why don't people alter, why aren't, there, why aren't they growing? And the answer is, is a matter of the heart. One of the themes, certainly maybe the major theme of Mark chapter 4, it says in verse 24, consider carefully how you hear. Consider carefully how you hear. Now, the story of Mark starts off, uh, he's by the fourth chapter, Jesus is very popular. He has thousands of people uh, hoping that, you know, he'll bless them in some context. It's to the point where he's being pushed out to the water and the Sea of Galilee. And so now he's taking a boat, he's out out a few feet offshore, and he has a few thousand people uh, that are going to hear this lesson on why people don't change, okay? Now, now here's the, the first word, first word in the lesson is listen. The first word is listen. Here's what he says. Here's the story he tells. A farmer went out to sow some seeds. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow some seeds. And he scattered the seeds. Some fell along a path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly. But because the soil was shallow, when the sun came out, the plant was scorched and withered because it had no root. Now there's another seed, and it fell on the thorns, uh, which it grew, up, it grew up, but the thorns choked out the plant, and there was no fruit to be had. Still, another seed fell on good soil, and when it came up, it grew and produced a crop. I mean, multiplying 30, 60, 100 times. That's his story. This, this is a story. Jesus is going to explain this story, and he's, what he's saying here is the, the, the seed is constant in this. It's four different soils, and he's going to explain that the four soils are four different souls, four different types of souls. This is a message about the souls, the kinds of souls people have. This is his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story. He's, he's wanting us to engage in the story and say, I, oh, wait, is that my soul? I mean, my name is Augustus Goop. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's what Jesus is doing. So that's, I'm asking you to join in that, in, in that endeavor. First soil he talks about is uh, the soil on the path. Now, he says the, he's going to explain what's happening. The farmer is sowing the word, he says. If you, in your translation will say the word, and that means spiritual truth. So this farmer, the seed is he's throwing out spiritual truth. The first, some people are like the seed that falls on the path where the word is sown. And when, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word as soon as it was sown on them. Never, never plants, never roots, right? This is like, uh, we, we do this, uh, uh, when you get on an airplane and the steward or stewardess is reading you, right, you know, what your sp- emergency seat belts, all that, right? Just completely disregard it because we already know it or we don't think we'll ever need it. And then the captain comes along on the over, yeah, he comes up and says, okay, prepare for impact, right? Brace for, and then we're going, what did she say? Okay, wait, exactly. They're not listening. It was just completely discarded. That's the kind of soul this is. How does that happen? 
lots of reasons in the Bible. The two probably primary suspects is pride and anger. Pride and anger. Pride, there's too many examples to cite, but anger I wanted to spend time on because it's not so intuitive. Look at this passage in Ephesians. It says, in your anger, do not sin. So you can have what's called righteous anger. Okay, so, but don't sin when you do it. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Okay? So here's, here's, what, here's what Paul is trying to make sure that we don't do. See, we can hold on to something can happen to us so that we would have an appropriate amount of rage. Okay? But our souls are not able to contain rage for long periods of time. You could even ask, you know, current psychologists and psychiatrists that. It just, it, it, it is, it's too poisonous. Our spirit can't uh, maintain it for very long. It costs too much on our energy. And so it, the fatigue itself is just going to drain this, this rage down to anger and then maybe something that even simmers, right, so that it can be managed for life. But sometimes... People don't want to let go of the rage. And so they'll say, I, I want to stay angry. I want to stay this incensed. I want to hold on to this hope for revenge. And that's when Paul says, you are giving the devil a foothold. And you better be very careful because you just poured the cement, and when it gets to concrete, it becomes a personality, a persona. You're the angry person. That's your first and immediate default. It's always going to be some sort of passive or aggressive anger because your soul has hardened. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a story or stories where you could say uh, betrayal uh, or, or rejection or injustice led you to the rage, but then you held on to it. And, and I just want to kind of state a, a, a fact of history. If you read through the Bible, nearly every saint in the Bible experienced injustice and betrayal, or both. And that was what was needed or used to cause them to become godly. So kind of the point is, is the same sun uh, that hardens the clay melts the wax. If this is your soil, if this is your soul, you've chosen to allow that to make you harder, impenetrable, unable to cause fruit. First soil. Is that you? Not your brother, right? Is that you? Second soil, rocky soil, 16 and 17. Others are like the soil, uh, the seed is sown in the rocky places so that spiritual truth they, they enjoyed it all at once. They received it with joy. And, but since there was no root, uh, they last only a very short time because when trouble or persecution comes because of that spiritual truth, they quickly fall away. They hear it. They're excited about it. They're, they're marveling in that. They're, they have joy uh, for that. But, sh- but their root system is so shallow and thin, it can't take, what does it take, persecution or hardship because of that spiritual truth. It's, uh, it's like when you put on, you, you try on a jacket, you like the way it looks. This is an amazing jacket. I love this jacket. I hope my friends like it. You walk in, your friends and family, what do you think of this? Oh, that looks stupid. That's an ugly jacket. I know. I don't even know where this came from. It's not even, who would buy such a thing? See, it's the shame of it. And, and as soon as you're, you're, everything's good, until you get bumped back by maybe someone that matters or there's some cost to it. Here's what happens a lot of times in our lives. 
like going home for the holidays. This, you might know this story. It might be close to home where you, you come to church or a Bible study and you're starting to be exposed to spiritual truths. They are starting to excite you. You're realizing, I, I need some heart change and the power of this gospel can do that. You're starting to change behavior and attitude and behavior. Start, I'm going to be a godly man. I will be a, a, a person of God as a husband or as a wife, as a woman, right? And these things are starting to take root. You go home for the holidays. doesn't take long. Something happens, kind of what you're, and then and there's, are you going to play your part as a member of your family of origin, or will you show that something's happening in your life? And if you show something's happening in your life, expect a brother or a mother or someone to pounce on that and say, play your part. Say your lines. And that's your moment. That's when you'll know how deep your roots are. And, and you'll have to choose. That's what he's talking about. A person with shallow roots kind of goes back and starts misbehaving like he's supposed to. He'd rather be, you know, a Wilson than a member of the family of God, a righteous man. That's the second soil. The third soil is thorns or ivy. I think if Jesus were speaking this in the South right now, he'd say it's kudzu. This stuff is crazy. Still others, like the seed sown amongst the thorns or the ivy, they hear the word, but the worries of, a, of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke out this spiritual truth, making it unfruitful. This soil is the one that scares me the most. It scares me for several reasons, but one, certainly one is it's the most pervasive that I see because I think because I've been in the same place for you know, almost 30 years now, and I, I've seen how uh, sneaky this is. It's, it's quiet. The first two soils, it's like, yeah, right, it's almost predictable. You can see that coming. But this is when you start seeing like oak trees getting choked out by these vines. It, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you, you can't find a person that's lost their way where they can say, this was the time and the place that it happened because the road to hell is this ever so slight grade and there aren't very many signs that say you're going the wrong way. And so you can see people's lives start well and then it, 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 keeps, uh, it, it keeps growing and, and then, oh, it's an explosion of contradictions. And, and one, of the, one of the reasons this, this one I'm afraid of so much is because oh, most of the time... People take what is a good thing, sometimes even a gift from God, and it becomes a bad thing, and then it becomes an idol. And the things that, that, that the weeds are described as, you know, I, I want to I make a living. That's a good thing. That's what God made you to do. I want to make a living. I want to make a better living. I want to make a better living, and I want my stuff. I want to be, fa- I, whatever it is, I, I'm going to start saving for retirement. I need, there's always more safety by more in retirement. And what happens is it's ever so subtle that that goal or even, you know, that account number becomes your hope. That becomes your safety. And at that moment, it's climbing the trunk of the tree because it's replaced. It replaces what God is supposed to be, your hope and your safety. It started off, right? I mean, even uh, the last thing, right? It says desires for other things, right? Some sort of distraction becomes an addiction. Oops. It's too late. Like a python, it's already wrapped. Now it's going to just squeeze the life out of you and not care. Not at all. Here's the problem. Here's the essential issue with this third soil. Know this about God. 
Okay? Know this about God. He will not compete for number one. He, he, he doesn't have to, he shouldn't, and it won't work. First commandment, I'm the Lord your God who saved you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before you. Why would you? You shall have no idols, for I am a jealous God. Of course he's a jealous God. Why wouldn't he be? Why shouldn't he be? If you're married to someone, you have a right to be jealous within the parameters of reason. We've said some vows. Why are you still flirting? Those days are gone. (laughs) There's no no more flirting. There's no more dating. That's what it means to have an idol, God's metaphor of marriage. um, I'm, I'm... I'm already number one. Here, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus says this. you got to pick your master. You can't serve two masters. See, this, the third soil thinks you can, you can have both on equals. And Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You need to choose. Will it be God or anyone? Money. What? It's not God and evil. It's not God or the devil. Let's choose, you know, who your warriors are. It's God and money because Jesus knows that's the ivy that will most likely choke you because that's where you'll put your hope. And Jesus says, I will not compete with your selfish ambitions or your personal distractions. The king will not sit in the queen's chair, and he won't let you sit there. He doesn't play that part. He shouldn't have to. It won't work. It's not true. And so the third soil says, who's first? Because if it's not God, if it's not Jesus Christ, then you have ivy. You have thorns growing. Air in danger. Third soil. Three bad soils. This is the good soil. Let's spend some time on this one, the good soil. Others, like uh, seed sown, On the good soil, you hear the word, they accept it. It produces a crop 30, 60, sometimes 100 times what was sown. Verse 20 says what we've been talking about if you've come previous weeks. Fruit is, uh, it takes takes a while, but it's certain. It it must happen. It takes some time. And what he's talking about here with this fruit, he's talking about a whole new higher level of experience. A different way of perceiving reality. It's a, a, a perspective of life that you can't hand, you can't have outside of this spiritual growth that's taking place. It, soil one, soil two, soil three. This is the good soil. This is the one. And here, this is the point of the passage. I think. Okay. This is the this is the summary of this story. Okay. This line right here. If you let it, the seed will do the work. Right? If you let it, the seed will, will do the work. Okay, let's just say that together. If you let it, the seed will work. Say it one more time. If you let it, the seed will work. What do I mean by that? If you, the seed is weak and the seed is strong. The seed is weak. You have to let it. So the three soils that didn't let it, you have to let it. You have to let it, but the seed is strong. The seed will work because it's strong. The seed is weak, the seed is strong. It has the power of transformation. Again, the seed is weak. Jesus picks a seed because it's just this tiny little thing that looks like it doesn't have much potential. You could drop it on the ground and forget, and you can't even find it. Right? I mean, whoever drops seeds recognizing their power bombs away. No. 
He's just throwing this out because the seed is it's, it's weak, and, and so the first three stories, they might be your life, right? They, they give up the seed for nothing. doesn't even count much. The other one invests, but only until inconvenient. The third one doesn't want a part of it as long as it costs them some kind of comfort or safety. So, he's say, so Jesus is saying here, half of the purpose of this story, the first application is the seed is weak. Guard your heart. It's the wellspring of your life. The application is obvious. What are you doing to care for your soul? You've got to make sure your soil is available to receive this, this seed because the seed is weak. But the seed is strong. It does the work. The seed does the work. What it, when he, what's he talking about? He's calling the seed the word. It means spiritual truth. It, it means the, the power of the concepts that are true about God in the Bible. That's what he's saying. The, the seed has the power, the spiritual truth has the power to change your soul, he says. What does that mean? What, is this, what are the spiritual truths? These aren't all of them, but you get the idea. You can read the stories. You can see the illustrations. You can memorize the declarations, but it's about the holiness of God, the love of the Father, the sacrifice of the Son, the power of God's Spirit that indwells us, the hope of our future together. Those, those are spiritual truths that if they set and are in good soil can obliterate shame can, can, they can convict us of absolute forgiveness. They, they, they can show us unbridled power. That's the truth. That spiritual truth that has power to change, it has power. The seed is strong. It has power. And, and Jesus is coming in, and he's saying, he's saying listen. <laughs> listen, right? He says, listen. If these are theological or theoretical abstract ideas to you, they have no power. But if they seed in you and they take root, this, this could be your life right here. Just this fruit tree, this tree that keeps giving fruit. And each fruit that falls produces more fruit, a hundred times what's planted. Jesus is promising this. You, could handle, you can handle anything. You can handle anything because you're at a higher level of life. Because what happens to you is not contingent on circumstances. It's in the depth of the root system. That's, that's the power that's taking place in your life. And, you're, and the sap, the spirit, the power of God's spirit is running through your soul. And now it's taking over your personality and, and your sins, like your, your fears and your anxieties, your worries, your anger, your prejudices. It has transcendent power because it's the difference between religion, right, and the gospel. Religion, we took a look at this. Religion is, is external and mechanical. The gospel, that means great news. It's a declaration of something that happened historically. This is intrinsic. It's coming from the inside, and it's organic. That's why Jesus is using a seed. It's organic. Uh, religion, over here, remember this from last week. Uh, uh, here's the value. If I obey, then, then God will accept me, and he'll owe me. Okay. The gospel over here is God has already accepted me because of what Jesus has done for me. And, well, God, why would, yeah, I'm going to obey him. Of course I would. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, this, this religious model right over here, if you, they both produce change. Know that. They both produce change. Okay? These are different, two different 
life models, their parenting models, their, their how you run a business model. This model over here is built on discipline, hard work, grit, determination, grinding teeth, and staying busy. This person is building a tree out of Legos, and it gets bigger and bigger, adding every block. It's external, and it's mechanical. This is a seed planted. And, and, and Jesus will, will use the same kind of idea throughout the chapter. He'll, he'll say the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and he'll use that seed intentionally because it is so small, it'd be worth your investigation to find one, that it can get caught under your fingernail. It would take you half a day to even know it. But, but in, this, in, this, in this mustard seed, it drops into fertile soil, and then it becomes complex. It becomes richer. It becomes more beautiful. He'll end that part of the story by saying, and the, and the birds find shade in this, in this giant, one of the largest trees that you can make. That's the real thing. That's what he's proposing for us for the right soil. That's real change. How do you know you're changing this way? Well, for one thing, okay, it's not about being busy. And there's a lot of churches that want to get you busy because that looks better. And if you try hard enough and work hard enough, maybe, you know. But a more profound way to understand that it's organic change is, is the contrasting growth that happens. The growth that happens, uh, the fruit, quite literally def- described in the Bible, is a singular thing. The fruit of the Spirit is. So it's this clump of, it's not an isolation of just love but not so much peace. So you have, you, have, you have this organic growth that's happening within you, and you're as surprised as anyone else, okay? And you're surprised, like, look, I'm growing stronger and more courageous, but I'm becoming also, like, more feeling and more sensitive. I'm becoming um, uh, bold, but I'm also becoming humble and more self-forgetful. I, I'm becoming a generous person, and I don't even want to be, <laughs> right? I'm loving people I don't even like. And I'm, I'm drawn towards them to care and love for them. That's organic growth. It, it, it grows the whole tree, not one side of it, one, not one kind. It's, it, it, it happens to you. It's internal and it's organic. How does it happen? How, how does the power of the seed take place in our life? If, it, if, it's, if, if it's organic... You don't, you don't just sit at home, maybe even get on your knees and say, oh, God, change me. Just change me. You know, you do everything. You've got to get in the game, and I'll tell you how. This is what Jesus says. He says, listen. Remember 4, verse, I think it's 24? Be considerate about how carefully you listen. Let him who have ears, let him hear. It's all, what does that mean? I mean, there's a broader, deeper understanding of what that word means when Jesus talks about it. It means be fascinated by, be fixated by the spiritual truth. Ponder the spiritual truth. Need it, you know, right? Work this spiritual truth into your soil. Listen. (laughs) Take notes, quote it back, unknowing what the real depth of the meaning is, he's saying, which is what, you know, we tend to do. Here's a, I know that's obscure, let me show you how it works in real life. This is a great story. In the book of Galatians, uh, Peter and Paul, these are two apostles, and they're having all but a bar fight, okay, over a very significant issue. Peter is a person, well, both these men are, are former Jews. Now they're following Jesus Christ. Peter, they're both raised in very strict 
you know, Jewish family backgrounds. And part of that family background, of course, is the belief, the strong belief, that people outside of Judaism, that's called Gentiles, okay, they're, they're unclean. They're unclean. And so Peter can hang around them if it's just them, but when a Jewish buddy shows up, he kind of doesn't know, he doesn't want to be associated with them, but he's sending this message that's wrong. And so Paul's coming in to face-to-face have a conflict with him, and here's what Paul, he could do. He could, he could come over here and be, because he was very religious, he could be religious and mechanical and external and say, Peter, God hates racism, okay? This is prejudice. Stop it. And Peter would probably, right? He would just stop behaving that way, but he would still feel the same way as he did before. Paul doesn't do that. Look how he appeals to Peter. Listen. Listen to the gospel, Peter. Look what he says in Galatians 2.14. But when I saw Peter, he was not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. The spiritual truth of the gospel was not working in his soul. He said, Peter, it's, don't you understand the gospel of grace changes everything? Don't you understand the sacrificial nature of Jesus' death and the love of the Father? It's not going deep enough in your soul. You're not listening. You're not considering. You're you're not letting this control your soil. Right? I mean, again, he could have said, uh, Peter, uh, it's a sin to be prejudiced. Um, God will hate you. God will get you. God is going to get you if you keep doing that. Okay, well, yeah. But now what does he say? He says, Peter, your roots are growing deeper, and there is a giant rock underneath this thing, and it's not going to go any deeper until you listen to what's in line with the gospel. You're going to you're gonna have to get to that rock, and you're going to have to apply the holiness of God or maybe God's love for you and project it on God's love for them, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, the power of the Spirit, to change the way you were viewing the way you were raised. That value system of yours, that was not true. And so you you need to break through this rock that's a few feet down because because that's where growth is going to start happening in your life. That's that's how it works. It's by applying it. Watch Watch how Paul says, watch how the gospel truth Spiritual truth is stronger than most of the maladies and the sins that we do right now. Look what he says in chapter 3 of the same book. So, in Christ Jesus, we're all children of God. That's a spiritual truth through faith. We're all children of God. That's a spiritual truth through faith. For all who were baptized into Christ, we're all clothed with the same outfit. We're wearing uniforms. The uniform is Jesus Christ. So, therefore, we're going to let this truth saturate our tender souls so there is neither Jew nor Gentile. That truth of what what our uniform is is bigger than racism. He says there's neither slave nor freedom. There's no economic, like, envy or hatred. Are Are you serious? The truth of the gospel is far more important than that. He goes, there's no male or female. There's no sexism in Christianity. It can't, it cannot be that petty. It can't. If you're sexist and a Christian, you're, you don't get the gospel. And look how he concludes. You are all one in Christ Jesus. But here's the, here's the thing. These are truths. They kind of, the spiritual truths are weak and spiritual truths are strong. 
Spiritual truths need to be tenderly placed in a tender in a in a in a right a soil that can enjoy it. But when it gets there, it can blow it apart. It can change you. And so if you, if you found yourself as the first soil, and maybe it's because of uh, betrayal or injustice, I want you to consider this. Look at the life of Jesus. You could look at just his last week. Mark specializes in that. Look at that last week and look how much betrayal, how much injustice he suffers and say, wait a minute. He chose not to get enraged. And, and if, he, if that's what I have access to, maybe I should do that in my own life. You see, he can break through that hard surface. If you're easily um, offended or shamed, persecution, right, when you, when you bring up spiritual things, maybe let's just say, let's keep the, the illustration when you go home, you know, family members. Paul would say, work that, need that. Jesus would say, let that get into that shallow part of your soil and once you realize that you're part of a bigger family, a better family, a more impo- an eternal family, that there is a friend closer than a brother, then here's what will happen. You will not be shamed by a brother or a mother. You will not even, you'll start to not even retreat back from that. You'll begin to love them. You'll be, be, you're not playing defense anymore. You'll play offense and you'll begin to love them as a godly man or a godly woman. It has that kind of power. If you're in this third soil and you start realizing spiritual truths, right, that you're clothed in Jesus Christ, the holiness of God, the power of the Spirit, these sorts of things, you're going to look at these petty things in this world. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're going right, to give up your soul for what? To make partner? I mean, you'll, you'll see that for what it is when it gets nurtured down there, and you'll see the power of that makes these, these temporal things petty, simplistic, temporal. That's the power of this. I brought a photo because I wanted you to be inspired by what could happen no matter where you are. This giant boulder is your soul. Could be, right? That first soil. You, and look what happened to it. All it takes is the seed. I mean, the size of a mustard seed. It's about the smallest seed you can imagine. If you let that in, just let that in, its frailty can become powerful in your life. You have to let it, and it will be powerful. It will do the work. I'd like to close by just like, I would like us all to stop for a second and if in a place like this, could we just be alone by ourselves with God? Okay, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm sorry don't, if you don't mind. Uh, if it's uncomfortable for you, I'm sorry. But I, would you just, just in, like, join me in a conversation with God so that we might first not suffer from Charlie and Chocolate Factory? What soul are we really and what needs to be done to make things right? Lord Jesus, I would ask that your spirit would come and invade our souls to speak honest truth to us. That you give us maybe even a number in our, in our imaginations of if we're the first soil or the second or the third. And Lord, I'd like to, I'd like, could you, could you, could your spirit like blast into our memories the power of what a 
seed could do to a giant boulder, it doesn't matter the kind of addiction. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much we fear the feeling of alienation, the loathsome self-image issues we might have, what we've done, how we've messed up our lives and other people's lives. God, I'd ask that you would show us that the power of spiritual truth is bigger and better still. It abolishes shame. It transforms hearts. It grants complete forgiveness. If, if you've never actually transferred your faith or hope from religion and trying to make God like you better to the gospel, a, a, a great news that Jesus has done it for you, this would be a great day to do that. That you move over and you say, you know what? Jesus died because of me. Jesus was resurrected to prove it was for me, and I will live by that power. This is the day. And if you're soil number one or two or three, I'd ask that you would repent. That means change. That means acknowledge that you're getting choked out, you're easily shamed, or your heart is stone. But not tomorrow, not of right now. That changes today. Lord, I'd ask that you would help tenderize our souls, that you would make our hearts fertile to your spiritual truths, that we would be a church of change. We would be a church filled with souls that continue to grow and bear fruit, much fruit, 100 times what was planted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org. 